I'm Dr. Jill Weiner. I'm a white woman, a doctor, a meditation teacher, a tapping practitioner, a writer, and I'm an aspiring anti-racist, an identity which I must constantly strive towards, work on, and reevaluate. This podcast amplifies the powerful voices of women and men in all aspects of the anti-racist space, along with some of my own insights and explorations on topic ranging from healthcare to spirituality to criminal justice and beyond. In order to provide a nuanced, educational, and honest examination of systemic racism and dominant culture. So I'm pretty excited and also a little bit nervous to um, talk about what I'm talking about today because it's uh, a little bit of my personal journey. Um, so back in March of 2021, I started to notice that I was having a lot of body shame, a lot of um, looking at myself in the mirror and, and negative self-talk. I had gained some weight during COVID. I think the first part of COVID I somehow didn't, but then I started gaining some weight. And I just noticed like the way I was talking to myself inside my head about my body was pretty ugly. And I don't remember that ever being the case, even if I had been heavier at, at previous points in my life. And someone close to me had just gone through a process of losing a lot of weight. And I think possibly that brought some old stuff up in me. And I will share also that I grew up in a household, um, as did many people, where thinness was, was um, rewarded and praised and, and fatness or, or any, you know, gain of weight was sort of under their, under their, under our breath talked about. And I was, you know, fully into this as well. It's not like I didn't, I wasn't part of it, but, you know, praised for eating less, praised for um, watching my calories, taking the hamburger bun off my hamburger, uh, all sorts of stuff like that. And so I didn't really understand what was going on and why I was having all these thoughts, but it was really uncomfortable for me to be in my body and in living in my head about my body. And I was telling a friend of mine about this and, um, she was sharing with me her whole journey of weight loss that completely blew my mind. And I want to share a little bit of that with you today and also, um, and how it impacted my own journey. And then, uh, in a couple, uh, in the next episode, I'm going to have an interview actually with a therapist who deals with diet culture and, and body image and eating disorders. So on the, just at the outset of, of this podcast, um, in the work that I've done, I realized that the word fat, which always seemed to be like an insult and something you would never say, um, in a way that wasn't like a mean insult. Um, fat is actually a word that has been reclaimed by fat activists. So if I use the word fat in this episode, while it may kind of activate you, or you may, you may find it to be a little cringy. This is actually the word that is preferred amongst fat activists. So um, to take that uh, caveat as, as we go through. So I have a friend um, who, told, who shared with me that she's been going through her own journey. And she said to me that she had an eating disorder and she had been on one crash diet after another. And finally was talking to this therapist who was put, helped her in eating disorder recovery and this, this, this recurrent diet culture recovery. 
So what does that mean? So basically she was in therapy and put on a diet of eat whatever you want. Attempt to be mindful about it, but don't try that hard and eat regularly. Don't ever um, resist. Don't ever um, try to limit yourself. Don't try to cut back and exercise if it makes your body feel really good, but otherwise don't do any like strenuous, vigorous exercise with the, with the goal of, of losing weight. And now this wasn't intended to be something that was forever, but it was designed to get her out of the mindset of if I, if I restrict this, then I'll lose weight. How, how can this, this goal of getting skinny or of, of, of no longer being fat. And so basically she had snacks with her all the time. She wasn't allowed to go, uh, like a minimal amount of time without eating, I think no more than four hours. And she asked, she said, okay, well, so when do I, this is what I remember her sharing with me. She said, you know, when do I get to lose weight? When do I get to start the weight loss part of this recovery? And they were like, as soon as you stop wanting to lose weight, as soon as you stop having this notion that you have to lose weight in order to be successful, this, this relentless drive to be thinner, to be different, than what your body is. And so this was kind of a, I don't want to say an extreme example, but this was sort of the, the purest example of, of radical self-love and body positivity. I think a lot of times people talk about body, body positivity, but it's really just only if you're thin, like being positive about your, about other people's body, but you still want to be thin. Um, but really it still revolves around thinness. And so, um, and the type of eating she was doing was called intuitive eating, but it wasn't like intuitive eating to lose weight. It was just like, eat when you want to and eat as much as you want to. And not with the goal of losing weight, but with a goal of just being okay with who you are in your body and what you're eating. And I have to tell you, the concept completely blew my mind because I was like, oh, so you just like, love your body no matter what. And this, this notion of, of diet culture and the standard that we're, that we, we are is put on us by the patriarchy, um, generally white, white male beauty standards that I know were passed down to my parents that were passed down to their parents. Um, and, and not only did I have it in my family as many people do, but also in media, um, looking at uh, you know, social media and, and magazines and newspapers and TV and, and the way that people are portrayed, what, what is known as beautiful. And so it really had me thinking, where does this, where does this narrative I have in my mind of skinny being good and fat being bad, where does it come from? And a, a book was recommended to me called the Body is Not an Apology by Sonia Renee Taylor. And it was recommended to me, I think by several different people um, in a short period of time. And so I read that book and it's amazing. And in that book, she talks about loving the body as it is, as an act of, almost as an act of political resistance. And, and I forgive me if I'm misinterpreting her words because she's, you know, she's just brilliant, but she talks about the act of self-love and embracing our bodies exactly as they are as the first step to dismantling systems of oppression. Because if we aren't in acceptance of our own bodies and our own 
you know, fatness or able-bodied dis, dis, physical disabilities or anything like that, then we aren't able to love other people. And if we're judging our own bodies, we're going to always judge other people as being different. And this can start, she talks about how this can start with just physical appearance and, and weight, but this goes to a much deeper level. And if the, the who we are at our core, that's what's important. And that's who we actually are. And that's returning to that and knowing that that's who, that's our truest selves. That's our truest self, that that is what's important and connecting with that and, and recognizing all the different voices that go through our head when we have this negative self-talk about our appearance. And I've been fortunate never to go down the path of, of disordered eating, but certainly weight has been something I've thought about probably every day of my life since I can remember. I started to notice where my voices come from, a lot of them from um, my parents, from maybe my grandparents, um, society in general. And I re recall one, one day having a, a thought of worrying that my partner wouldn't be attracted to me because I had gained some weight. And then I finally had this breakthrough moment of, well, then F him, if he doesn't find me attractive with an extra 10 pounds on or however many pounds, I don't need that anyway. Like why, what, and this is not ever coming from him, by the way, this is coming from inside my own brain, but kind of struggling to reconcile. I am worthy and I am attractive and I'm a wonderful person deserving of partnership and love and romance, um, no matter what my body looks like. And people probably looking at me wouldn't necessarily look at me and be like, oh, that's a fat bodied person. But we all have the, you know, no matter what our body size looks like, we all have these, or I can't speak for real. I know that the, the, even when I've been at my smallest size, I've still had thoughts about, oh, if I could just get, you know, a little, get rid of this part of my, my fat or, or my stomach is still big. So what I have found very interesting about this is also exploring the health, the way that the, the healthcare system, and, and I'm a physician for any of you listening who doesn't know that, the way we're, we're taught in society, but also in healthcare, that obesity, and, and that's, a, that's a, a disease state, that, that so for, for fat bodied people are somehow inherently flawed, or unworthy of um, respect and um, dehumanized to a large extent. And we're taught that obesity causes death. There is a wonderful podcast called Maintenance Phase. And in that, they, they debunk a bunch of different or, or you know, go take deep dives into a bunch of different things about diet culture. Um, specific diets like keto and, and carniv carnivore diet, but also things like the biggest loser and um, the snack well, low fat craze of the nineties for anyone listening, if you were alive in the nineties, that, that may have impacted you as it did me. Um, but in their intro episode, they talk about, they sort of debunk the, the quote unquote data that I was taught and that we were taught are taught in healthcare that obesity equals unhealthy. 
that fat equals unhealthy and that thin equals healthy. So while it is true that certain amounts of, you know, increasing body weights can put you at risk for heart disease, diabetes, uh, sleep apnea, a lot of different, a lot of different um, disease states, being thin doesn't prevent you from getting those things. So thin people can get those too. Fat people can be healthy and fat people can be unhealthy. Thin people can be healthy and thin people can be unhealthy. And they, there is not a direct correlation between that. But what we're taught is the data about fat people. And it is also quite eye-opening and heartbreaking to hear uh, one of the hosts um, is a, a woman who's a, a fat woman, a uh, fat activist, and she talks about her lived experience of being fat and the way that people manhandle her and the way she's treated at the doctor's office when she goes in with an ear infection and all they do is tell her that she needs to lose weight and the way that people insult her on the street and just treat her horribly and, and to a point where her body is dehumanized, she's not, she's not seen as, um, or treated as a person. And I can recognize as she's saying that my own, my own biases inside my own anti-fat biases inside my own head. And she talks about the fact that maybe some of these poor health outcomes are because fat people are mistreated by their doctors, fat people are not listened to diagnoses are missed because they come in with belly pain and they're told to lose weight, but maybe they have a cancer, um, lots, all sorts of different things like that. And, um, there's, there's data that came out. I, I don't remember the exact numbers, but something that 300,000 people a year die from obesity. And that, that study gets quoted and quoted and quoted, but it's actually not scientifically correct. And it's actually been debunked. So in the healthcare system, we're going on stuff that's been taught to us as fact, but isn't. And then you add knowing that, that um, stress and being mistreated and uh, for, for your identity or for any reason can increase stress and increase cortisol and also lead to negative health outcomes. Just a thought of is my, is my, is the negative health outcome from fat people? Is that inherently because of the fatness or is that because of the constant stress of being told they need to lose weight, that they're not attractive enough, that they are lazy, that they don't have willpower, the, the yo-yo diets, the up and downs of trying to lose weight and the stress of being tormented, uh, mistreated by people for their weight. And how much of that might contribute to heart disease and, and, and very little of that is taken into consideration in a lot of the scientific literature. And in this podcast, she repeatedly talks about the fact that she tried to lose weight. It wasn't that she was lazy or wasn't, wasn't trying. She tried every diet there was, and she was not able to keep the weight off and she would often gain more fat. So she knew she, the doctors telling her to lose weight. wasn't anything she hadn't heard before. It wasn't like it was this amazing new thing they were telling her. She tried and she tried and tried and tried and tortured her body and was tormented by other people for her weight when she was in fact trying and some bodies possibly are just not meant to be thin bodies. 
so all of this, as I'm reading this and listening to this and, and reading the, the, the body, the body's not an apology and listening to maintenance phase and talking to my friend and following people on Instagram about diet culture, it is so ingrained this, this, and it's the patriarchy. It's, it's white male patriarchy trying to control bodies more so black and brown bodies, but it's trying, and you know, also women that's going to add, add the impact because it's for all women, but, but even more so black and black and brown women and recognizing where this voice came from, where this narrative came from and, and whose business is it, what my body looks like. And actually, the whole notion that people should or shouldn't be healthy, this notion that people should take care of their bodies better, that is also paternalistic. And that is also part of this patriarchal view that you should be a certain way and I should control your body if you are not, I, you know, I should try to control the way you are with your body. So patients coming to us who aren't healthy. So what, I mean, yes, my job as a doctor and in healthcare, we're, we're, we're trying to increase the health of people, but it is not our job to impose some moral standard onto people if they are depending on what they're choosing for their body. And it's a really, really radical concept. And it's something that takes a lot for me to think about, you know, I'm going to advise people to not smoke, but do I need to shame them into not smoking? Perhaps we want to encourage them not to smoke around other people. So it's not impacting other people's health who are not choosing to smoke themselves. But what gives me the right to tell someone whether or not they should smoke? Now, of course, in public places, that's different. But it's been very interesting for me on this journey to kind of really, really rethink a lot of the ways that we approach health, the way that we approach body image, the way that we approach weight and health in general. So I encourage you as you are going through your day, if you're listening to this, and if any of this is resonating, first off, check out the body is not an apology. Please do read that. Um, learning about the necessity for us to love ourselves first. And it's, you know, it's, it's a concept that I'm familiar with, but the way she really ties it into the body and to being an, an act of resistance, really, really connecting to loving who we are no matter what and recognizing and hearing and rooting out those narratives we tell ourselves about our body that's the very beginning that's that's we have to do that in order to then dismantle systems of oppression because we can't love other people and we can't we're always going to be othering other people if we're not accepting ourselves for who we are so if this is interesting you at all, or if you're like, what is she talking about? This is totally wrong. If you're having a strong reaction to this, it's possible. I might suggest that there's some conditioning that has happened inside your brain that is almost not letting you hear this message because it was really hard for me to hear it as well. And when I had the conversation with my friend, there's a lot of people she's talked to about it who don't understand it and who have kind of othered her for not feeding into this, like, oh, now I'm doing this intuitive eating so that I can lose weight. So check out the body's not an apology, check out the podcast maintenance phase in particular. I love the first episode, the intro episode, because it goes through not only her experience in the, in the fat body, um, 
and the way she was treated, which has really made me rethink the way I see fat bodies. And I may or may not have um, contributed to the toxicity of, of treating fat people, um, contributed to the way that the healthcare system and, and society in general treats fat people, um, but also debunking a lot of the, the, the data and science that we've taken for granted as truth, when in fact, a lot of it is not. And also shadow work, which is something that uh, we discuss in the conscious anti-racism curriculum, noting the defensiveness that we get or whatever gets a rise out of us in terms of fatness and, and weight and, and diet culture, looking within us to see if that's a sign of something that maybe we can reconcile in ourselves. Because I know for sure that as much as it's been painful for me to be on the receiving end of diet culture in my own little micro way, I've also perpetuated it myself. I've also looked down on fatness and fat people and, and thought they should be stronger or, or that it was a sign of laziness. I've, I've, I've fed into all of that. So that's when you find yourself having the reactions of, um, you know, whatever reactions you're having to this, just check in with yourself. Is there something within me that needs to be worked out? And I'll, I'll end with a story. Uh, yesterday I was flying home from uh, visiting my partner's family and I was seated next to a fat woman. And she sat down next to me and she was kind of leaning over a little bit. Her body, her body was, was taking up some of the space of my seat as well. And I could hear, I could, I could hear my inner voice wanting to look down on her and wanting to judge her for that. And to say, oh, poor me, oh, this sucks. I'm, I'm, I don't have enough space. And because of the work that I've been doing and, and, and learning about and, everything that I've been talking about in this episode, I was able to take that moment and recognize, you know what, she is fully aware of what is happening with her body right now in this seat. She's fully aware. I certainly wouldn't, I would never have made a comment anyway, but like checking my own biases, asking the question, this question, why is it the person's fault if they don't fit into the seat? Why is it not the seat's fault for not fitting the person? So why, is, why are these seats made to fit only very small people? And how is that somehow then the standard that is expected for every living being to fit into that seat? And if not, they should somehow be purchasing two seats. So that, that privilege of thinness that we may not even think about, uh, it's, it's really powerful to think about how that affects people who live in bodies that are size differently than, than someone who goes through the world in a thin body. Hi there. Thank you so much for listening. I hope you enjoyed this episode of Conscious Anti-Racism. Please be sure to follow or like us wherever you find your podcasts and also consider leaving a rating or review. You can follow Conscious Anti-Racism on Instagram and Twitter at Jill Wiener, MD, J-I-L-L-W-E-N-E-R-M-D. And please check out our Conscious Anti-Racism book on Amazon.